Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Today I'll finish our sermon series, Face to Face. The first week we talked about the man at the pool of Bethesda who'd been sick for 38 years. God healed him. Last week we talked about Zacchaeus who was short in stature. Jesus was coming into the city of Jericho and Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus but because of the crowd and because of his size, it was not going to be possible. But that didn't stop Zacchaeus. He climbed up a tree. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, but actually Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. And he, Jesus said, you're going to come to my, I'm going to go to your house today. Excuse me. I'm going to go to your house today. And Zacchaeus said, great. And he brought Jesus into his house and something amazing happened inside the house in this face-to-face conversation. And Zacchaeus comes out of the house And while Zacchaeus was in the house, many were murmuring and complaining, saying that there's nothing that Jesus can do for a sinner like Zacchaeus, a cheat, a liar. And when Zacchaeus come out, he began to tell the people how he was going to right every wrong that he had made. And they still were complaining. And then Jesus stood up and said, no, 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 you listen to me. Salvation has come to this man's house today. This man is not who he used to be. And this morning, to end this series, we're going to look at Mary's story. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, who probably was the first person to have a face-to-face encounter on this earth with Jesus. But not only did she have one face-to-face encounter, she had many face-to-face encounters. Encounters. Well, let me just say that. It doesn't, your first face to face encounter with Jesus, that isn't it. You should now spend, look for times to spend intimate time with Jesus in devotion and in prayer and seeking the face of God. And I don't want to look at the initial face to face experience she had with Jesus, but I want to look at John chapter 2. John chapter 2 has to do with Jesus turning water into wine. Turning water into wine. John chapter 2, let's read it. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What does that have to do with me and you, Jesus asked. My hour has not come yet. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them up to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out. Take it to the head waiter, and they did. When the head waiter tasted the water after it had become wine, he didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. 
he called to the groom and told him, everyone sets out the fine wine first, and then after people are drunk, the cheap stuff, the inferior. But you have kept the fine wine until now. This morning, I want to look at this wedding. Now, I don't know whose wedding this was. The Bible doesn't tell us. I think that it had to be someone who was close to Jesus. I don't think Jesus just showed up at weddings. So it had to be someone close to him. A lot of people think that it was John, actually John's wedding, but we're not told. There's some interesting things I see here. The first thing is that it says in verse 1, on the third day. you got to understand the way a wedding worked back then. Weddings were seven days long. There was no um, um, honeymoon. It was a seven-day celebration. That's what a wedding was. <clears throat> and they would treat the groom and the bride like kings and queens. It was up for the family to take care of of the party. It was a party for seven days in a row. One of the key elements to a good party was wine. If you're going to party for seven days, you're going to need something, right? So wine was a big part of the party. The Bible says that on the third day, so they didn't even get halfway through this wedding celebration, and now they've run out of wine. And now we have the servants, we've got Jesus, and we've got the mother of Jesus standing there, Mary. And Mary comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, they're out of wine in very woman-like fashion. She didn't say, hey, Jesus, could you make some wine? Could you go get some wine? She just said, there is no wine. Just like my wife, she doesn't say she's hungry. She just says, I hadn't ate since this time. Or I'm about to pass out. <laughs> or if I don't get something right now, I'm about to die. But not just, you know what I'm talking about, men? Are you scared to death? <laughs> or when you leave your clothes on the floor... And the woman of the house said, and listen, I love women. My mama's a woman. My wife's a woman. Okay? But you leave some clothes hanging on the ground or something, and they pick it up and say, you know, Caleb, is this your shorts? Well, it ain't Judas. And she said, we're out of wine. And Jesus said... What's that got to do with me? What's that got to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And then Mary, she hears what Jesus says, but notice she, she's through talking to Jesus. She looks back at the servant and says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And then Mary's out of there. We don't hear anything else about Mary. She just says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And she walks off. And that's my first point. To walk in the miraculous, to live a blessed life, it's very simple. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. 
Whatever God tells you to do, do it. And I'm telling you, he'll talk to you if you will listen to him. But if you want to fix it, if you want to work it out, if you want to try it, if you want to get it all settled, well, then you don't have any time to listen to him. But if you'll listen to him before you try to work it out and before you try to fix it, God will tell you what to do. And you say, well, I ain't heard from God. Well, he wrote a book. He is right here. It's a love book to you telling you what to do. And if you'll listen to it, read it and hear it and do what he says, you'll begin to see things happen in your life that you could not do on your own. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. One of our aligning values here at Remnant Church is we serve a big God, so ask big. Uh, radical faith produces radical results. But I want to add this. We do serve a God that is big, so he asks big. But listen, sometimes when you ask big, he'll give you big instructions that requires big obedience. What will he tell me to do, Pastor? Here's some very generic things that I find Jesus always telling me to do. You ready? Give. Love. Share. Talk to. And here's a real general, general one. Go. Just go. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like when Peter is standing on the boat and he says, bid me to come out there. Jesus is walking on the water. Bid me to come out there and let me go out there with you. And then what did Jesus say? Jesus just said, come, go. He didn't say step here and then right here and then jump from there and go there. No, he just said, come. The next thing you'll step, when you step out of the boat, you're going to step out on the water. Yet, nevertheless, come. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure out how, who's going to hold you up. Don't try to figure out how I'm standing here. Just trust me. If I tell you to go, go. If I tell you to give, give. If I tell you to share, share. I'll take care of the rest. Whatever he tells you to do, you just do it. Point number two, obedience is measurable. In the Bible, we just read the story. It said, fill the jars with water. More specifically, in verse 7, fill them to the brim. You know how much wine they got? As much water as they put in. Obedience is measurable. Hear me. Partial obedience is total disobedience. Partial obedience, like obeying the things that you like that are not that hard for you. Well, put a pin of rose on your nose. Let's take you out to Chuck E. Cheese. You've done something easy. But did you know God requires you sometimes to do things a lot of times that you cannot do on your own? That stretches you? 
that causes you to believe something greater than yourself. It's beyond your talent and beyond your ability and beyond your measure of reasoning. You don't know how you're going to do it. Oftentimes, that's what God calls us to do. Things we cannot do on our own. And obedience is measurable. Luke chapter 6 verse 38, he tells us this. He says, whatever measure you give, it'll be given back to you in that measure. Whatever portion you give determines the portion you'll receive in return. I don't know. It was seventh grade, I think. Anybody, when they were in school, did you choose one? Did you have a one bad year? Like a bad grade? That things just wasn't really good? Mine was seventh. Seventh grade. One day I just woke up and decided, I'm just not going to do anything. Let me show you how that worked out. I brought my report card home as a result of nine weeks of not doing anything. Seven subjects, seven individual grades. I brought home six Fs and one C in art. I made a C in art. I got my report card. <clears throat> Actually, I believe it was the dreaded parent-teacher conference that resulted in my demise. But I can remember my dad coming home with my report card and throwing it so hard against the kitchen countertop that it bounced seven feet and landed... And my mom asked, as she looked at it in shock, what happened? And I told my mom, I think I spent too much time concentrating on the subject of art. <laughs> Should have spread it out my time. Maybe I could have pulled out some more C's. No. You know what happened, don't you? What I had done was measured, and that was the result. I'll tell you some other ways you can measure your obedience. You don't want to hear it, though. You want to hear it? Your bank statement. Will measure your obedience. I, I told you we didn't want to talk about it. Obedience is measurable. Not only is obedience measurable, obedience, now I like this, is exciting. What do I mean by that? Jesus told the servants, I want you to go fill the water pots up. Now, what were these water pots? They were just religious 
they were for religious ceremonial purposes. They would go and wash hands in these pots. They were boring. They were, there was nothing important about them. They were just water in pots used to wash hands until Jesus got involved. And Jesus said, you take that boring, those boring religious pots of water and you fill them all the way up to the top and then watch what I can do. Jesus can take the religious and the mundane and make it full of joy and life. Obedience is exciting. I've never done what God told me to do and be disappointed. Because I've learned this, that there is always a blessing on the other side of obedience. Do you hear me? I remember when I was, before I got came here, it was probably a year before, and I was praying to God as he was dealing with my spirit about moving, about stepping out and doing something. I didn't know exactly what it was. At the time, I was a a music pastor, I was on staff at a church, but I felt this holy restlessness that something, I had to do something else. And I began to pray to God. I said, God, is if you want me to stay here and it's just me, and this is what you want me to do, music the rest of my life, I'll do it. God, I know you've called me to preach. And I just need to know if it's music, that, and I just preach a little, or if I'm an evangelist and I just sing a little, I, I don't care what it is. I just want to do what you have called me to do. And I'll never forget, God spoke to me. Yes, that doesn't make me super spiritual, and it, it doesn't make me crazy. And there's some things I do that would make me crazy, but not this. God still speaks to people today. He does. And he speaks through his word. But sometimes he speaks, and I can't say it's an audible voice, but I, the best way I can describe it is I feel it in all my senses. And God began, and I still do this today, when I'm preparing for a message, and God, it's not me anymore, and God's really pouring into me, and I'm writing something down, I'll get so anxious that I'll just get up and go to the bathroom and don't even have to go to the bathroom. I'll get up and walk around and come back and then sit in my office. Well, God spoke to me. He said, I've called you to pastor. And I, I got up and I went into the sanctuary. There was nobody there that day and I walked in and I began to pray again. I said, God, now I think you just said you called me to pastor. And that's not really what I was planning on doing. I said, God, I don't know if you do this. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is wrong. I need some confirmation. I need to know for sure this is what you, what you said. And God spoke to me again. He said, I want you to go to this church. It was a they're having a revival. I knew exactly what church he was talking about and what revival he was talking about because I had seen it 
on social media as I was social media as I was scrolling through. I, I was I wasn't going, but I seen it. He said, "You go to that meeting, and I'll give you your confirmation." And I know maybe this is hard for some of you to believe, but if you've been here for a very any length of time, you've probably heard me already share this. I wish God spoke to me like this all the time, but he doesn't. It would make things a lot easier. But he said, I want you to go to that meeting, and I went. And he said, you go to that meeting, and you'll get your confirmation. And I went to this little church out past the high school on the right, on the Valdosta Highway. I told my wife, I called her, didn't I tell you this? I said, I'm going to this church. I'll be home when I get done. I did go by the house. I remember I went by the house and I changed clothes. I put on an old sweatshirt and some old pants. I didn't want to stand out. I got to the church 15 minutes late on purpose because I just wanted to blend in. And when I got to the church, it was full. There was one chair sitting on the right, a metal chair. It's one of those churches when you walk in, you're almost all way in, you're almost right in the service. You know what I mean? There's just a small, tiny little foyer, and then you're in the building. One aisle all the way down the middle. Pews on each side. And they had put out some metal chairs. There was one left. I hooked the left and sat down. And they were singing. I didn't know who the preachers were. I didn't know who the people were. I'd never met them in my life. And they were singing, and they were praying for people. And as she was ending her prayer, it was a lady. I might mess with some of y'all's theology. She was praying, and she looked at me, looked at me like that, and her eyes looked at my eyes, and I thought, oh, my God. (laughs) And she walked all the way down that aisle, and she walked up to me, and she looked me in the face, and she she looked like she meant business. She looked at me. And she said, the Lord told me just now, you came, the only reason you're here tonight is for confirmation. And this is your confirmation. You see, whatever the Lord tells you to do, you do it. No matter how crazy it may seem, or sound. I can't tell you how many times I've laid hands on my cars. I've raised two vehicles from the dead. <laughs> I had an old Nissan pickup truck. The color of rust. I don't know what color it was when it was new. And I would still... And I would drive that truck today just to let you know for some of you who think, oh, he wouldn't drive a truck like that. I would drive a truck like that right now. So anyway, I, pulled, I tried to crank it up. Guess what? Nothing. I had n- no money. I mean, zero. I mean, not, not I just don't want to tap into my savings. I'm talking about no money. You get what I'm saying? Like when you don't have any money, It's been a long time for some of y'all. I'm talking about zero money. Uh Uh-huh. And you know what the Lord told me to do? 
You get around to the front of that truck and you lay hands on that truck. You know what I done? I looked around. <laughs> and then <laughs> when the coast was clear, I'm joking, sort of. <laughs> I laid my hands on that truck. And I just said what I, all I knew to say in the name of Jesus, you better crank up. <laughs> and you know what happened? Honest to God's truth. God knew my situation. So ain't God good? Yes. He cares about the small stuff. See, you don't know that because you don't think he cares about it, so you won't even ask him about it. But I know I serve a God who cares about every little thing going on in my life. Every little thing. Because see, that's how I was raised. I'd seen that already happen before, you see. I said, in the name of Jesus, crank up. Got in that truck. Turned it over. And it never done it again. When I got rid of it, <laughs> soon as I soon as I got rid of it, the transmission went out. I, I thought, you know, that truck was just there because of prayer. You see? God cares about every part of our life. And what I'm telling you is when you obey God, it becomes exciting. Because you see God move in areas of your life. And you, it builds your faith. It ain't boring, religious, go to church stuff. I just got to go to church. I'm a, are you a Christian? Yeah, I go to church. No, that's not, that's not this life I'm talking about. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm born again. I've been raised from the dead. I was walking in dead trespasses and sin. But he raised me up to newness of life. And this life that I live now is not a life that I live in the power of my flesh. But it's by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm walking in the miraculous. I'm walking in God's provision. I'm seeing God open doors and closing doors. This is the best life I could ever live. It's exciting. It's not boring. It's not religious and routine. It's truly a life of the miraculous. And it's not a preacher thing. It's not a preacher thing, I said. I know a gentleman right here in this church, God told him, to give us back when we were had purchased this land. He said, Pastor, God told me to give, I think it was $2,500. And see, it ain't about the amount. So forget what I just said of $2,500. It could be $25, it could have been 20 cent. Just depends on the person, you see. But for this gentleman, it was $2,500 and it was a stretch. It was a sacrificial gift, but he said, the Lord told me to do it. And he done it. And that week, he shared with me that that week, he made an excess of what he would normally make. He made above that $2,500. 
Obedience is exciting. And this is my last point. Obedience is the key to your heart's desires. The first sign in the book of John, and I love John. Uh, um, one is talking about in the beginning, but then the two is the first miracle. Uh, him turning the water into wine. Three is the story of Nicodemus. Four is the woman at the well. Five, I think, is the man at the pool of Bethesda. I love the miracles. Verse, uh, chapter 11, I think, is where uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead. There are some amazing miracles in the book of John. Uh, John chapter 4 is the woman at the well. I love the book of John. It's amazing. But the first Miracle that John records was not the raising of the dead. But it was the blessing of a family who would have been full of shame and guilt if they would have run out of the wine on the third day. Psalms chapter 37 verse 4, it says this, Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. About four years ago, I preached through Psalm chapter 37. And I love what that word in the Hebrew, delight, means. It means pliable. So take that verse, delight yourself, make yourself pliable to God. Don't get so stuck in, it's got to be this way. And I'm going to do it this way. But rather... Make yourself pliable to what God wants to do in your life. In other words, have an open yes to whatever God tells you and He will give you the desires of your heart. Are you listening to me? You're working so hard. You've got the desires over here and you're working so hard to fulfill the desires yourself. What you're really saying is, I don't trust you, God. But God says, you want, you want to see your desires come to pass? When I tell you to do something, do it. Remain pliable. Remain flexible to my will. When I say go, go. When I say give it, don't say no, I got to hold on to it. Give it. When I say tell, say what I just told you to say, go tell it, go lay hands on them, go pray for that person down at the altar. You see, it's all kind of things. You see what I'm saying? When I tell you to do it, do it. Verse 4, it seems kind of harsh. She says, Mary says, we, we don't have any wine. And Jesus says, woman, what does it have to do with me? That seems very harsh. But one commentator says that in essence Jesus was saying, because he said, this isn't my time. What he was saying is, they've not recognized me for who I am or invited me to be part of this situation. 
Maybe God is not showing himself to you who he really is in all his power and all his might is because you haven't invited him to, to your situation. You see, we have become so serious about not giving in and not being a part of this prosperity gospel that in, a, in an effort to do so, we've embraced the poverty gospel. Where God doesn't want to bless us. And friend, the very beginning of the gospel is God gave. He, he, he wants to bless you. I didn't say make you rich. I didn't say give you five houses. But the Bible tells me he wants to prosper you as your soul prospers. That he wants to take care of you. And that the small things matter to him. He wants to bless you. God does. He wants to be in all your business. Up in all your stuff. He wants to be invited to your table. He wants to be invited to your situation. He wants to know everything that's going on. Oh, he knows it, but he wants you to talk to him about it. And ask him. Invite him in. How do I invite him in? God, whatever you say, I'll do it. This is my situation right here. Whatever you say. You tell me, God, I'll do it. Sell it, I'll sell it. Trade it, I'll trade it. Give it, I'll give it. Whatever you say, I'll do it. But in order for you to do that, you got to listen. You've got to listen. So I want to ask you, what is God saying to you? What has God been saying to you? You know, it may be something like this. I was wrong. And I shouldn't have said what I said to you. I shouldn't have done what I done to you. I'm sorry. Maybe that's what God's telling you to do. Maybe God's telling you to buy five bicycles. I don't know. I didn't preach that message for that. I know God's going to do that. If he did tell you to give five and you don't give five, he'll, give, he'll get somebody else to be, he'll find somebody else that wants a blessing. So I didn't preach that for that. But maybe God is telling you to give five bicycles. Maybe God's telling you to. Give somebody a vehicle. I don't know. Maybe God's calling you and telling you right now, you need to call that person and just tell them you've been thinking about them. See, that changed my life just a couple of weeks ago. I've said that, I've done that, but it just really, 
a gentleman told me, called me and said, I wanted to text you, but I, I felt like I really needed to call you. Oh, boy. Usually that's bad. But he said, it wasn't bad. He said, the Lord told me to pray for you. And to tell you that I am praying for you. Oh, I've heard that so many times. I appreciate it. But, I mean, I've heard it several times. I'm praying for you. I'm praying. That was something different. Uh, well, one of the things was this guy couldn't hardly say it because he was in tears. That made it a little different. But then 45 minutes later, I realized that I really needed prayer. That I was going to be in a situation, handling a situation that I didn't really know how to handle. And then, after the situation, God reminded me about this guy calling me. And this is what he told me. Oh, yeah, I wanted him to pray for you. But my message was this, that before I laid you on his heart, you were on my heart. Do you see what I'm saying? And I love you so much and I care for you so much that I had to find me somebody that when they heard me, they do what I told them to do. This is how important your obedience is. That I'd find somebody that do what I asked them to do. But you need to know that yes, it was powerful that this guy was praying for you, but I was praying for you. And I wanted to get a message to you. So see, your obedience just doesn't affect you and bless you, but it blesses others. Stand with me all across the building. Musicians, come. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. Now you know that all the, my, these stories that I share with you is not bragging on a person and it's sure not bragging on me. It's bragging on God, right? I remember another time that I didn't have any money. You say, why are you talking about giving money? Because a lot of times God tells me to give money. Okay? So that's what I'm going to say, talk about. I remember I went to this conference and it so blessed me. And it was like something I had never been to. I'm not going to cry. It was like something I had never been to. It blessed me so much. And 
time came when it was time to give the offering. And I didn't have anything to give. It was one of those times where I didn't have. But once again, zero. Nothing. Me and Holly hadn't been married long. And I wanted to give. I did. And God knew my heart. I wanted to give. And I told God, I said, I ain't got anything to give. I remember the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to give your watch. I thought that that would look so stupid. First of all, it wasn't like it was a Rolex. It wasn't a Timex, but it wasn't a Rolex. Somewhere in between. He said, I want you to give, give your watch in the offering. I heard him say it multiple times. And as they were passing the bag or whatever it was, I can't remember now, I put my arm down, not so everybody could see it. I put my arm down and I popped my watch off because God told me to do it, you see. Because in value, it meant nothing. To, like they weren't going to take it to the pawn shop and get anything for it. You see, it was it was all about me. And what God was doing in me. So anyway, I popped it off and I put them. I put it really tight in my hand so they wouldn't see it. Nobody would see it, and I dropped it in the bag. And I felt like a burden had been lifted off of me. Because I'd done what God said. When I got home from that conference, there were a few things that needed, there's some things that I it was, it was small, in my, and probably to you, but to me it was big. One of the things was I didn't have a lawnmower, and I needed a lawnmower. I didn't have no money. And like I said, this is small to you. It don't matter to you, but it's... It was things that God used to build my faith for stuff like we do now, you see. And I remember coming home and this guy called me. He's a friend of mine. Tried to get him to go to church here, but he won't. But anyway... That's beyond besides the point. And he said, the Lord told me I was buying the lawnmower. And I, he said, I don't even know if you need a lawnmower. He said, but the, he said, the Lord told me when I was buying the lawnmower to buy two. And he said, I was supposed to give you my new one, this, this one. The, the second one that I bought. And I said, well, brother, yeah. I, I definitely need a lawnmower. 
And then it came back to me, that watch. Then a couple weeks later, I got to get some medicine for Abriel. I, once again, I didn't have any money. <laughs> Seems to be a common occurrence. But Abriel had to have this medicine. And I didn't know how I was going to get it. But I just said, I'm going to walk in. And I'm just going to stop. The Lord said, just go into Kroger Pharmacy and get the medicine. That was a hard walk. And I walked into Kroger. And I had called them before, actually. I would called them before and asked them. And they said, no, you don't have any medicine on file. You don't have any medicine left because it was she had insurance and then her insurance she didn't have insurance anymore and it was going to be I don't remember not a big amount maybe 70 bucks something like that so I walked into Kroger to get the medicine that I didn't have the money for and when I got to the register I said I'm here to pick up a prescription she asked me the name. She, you know how they do. And I told them. She come back. It was ready. She come back, pulled it up, done her little punching on the thing. And the screen faces you, the little amount, you know, screen. And it come up. She got 0, 0.00, no charge. Now listen how stupid I was. I tried to pay for it. And I ain't even got no money. I said, wait a minute. I said, no, 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 no. I said, now, I just called up here, and they said, they said they don't, you know, that I, this was going to be 70 bucks. I didn't have insurance anymore. And she said, well, she said, there's still one left that your insurance had paid for that you never came and got. No such thing. guess what I went back what the Lord took me back to that little cheap watch see whatever God tells you to do you do it no matter how crazy it seems what does God every head bowed and every eye closed what has God been talking to you about lately Maybe it is about giving. Maybe, it, maybe it's about something else. Maybe it's about talking to somebody. I, I don't know what it is. But whatever God's telling you to do, you need to do it. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, have you invited God into your situation, into your life? We had somebody get saved today in the 9 o'clock service. So I want to ask you, maybe you heard everything, heard everything I've said and you thought, well, I'm not even saved. Well, all you got to do is invite Jesus into your situation, into your problem into your life 
What is God saying do for you? God's saying, call upon me. And if you call upon my name, you shall be saved. That's what God's saying. So right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not saved, but the Lord's talking to you today, would you lift your hand up? I see that hand. Anybody else? Lift it up high. Maybe God's saying something to you because you're saved. You're saved already, but God's saying something to you. I want you to do whatever He's telling you to do. And for that person who raised their hand, we're going to pray. We're all going to pray. And I believe God, if you'll invite Him in, He'll completely change your life. I want you to look at me right now before we pray that prayer. If this word has spoke to you today, if God's dealing with you about something today, He's been talking to you about something, and you said, yeah, I'm listening, God, and I'm going to do it. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, God's been talking to me. I'm, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I encourage you, do it. Because there's a miracle. There is a miracle on the other side of obedience. Let's pray the prayer of salvation. You raised your hand, let's pray. Everybody join with me. Let's repeat after me. Say, Lord, here I am. I invite you into my life, into my home. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sin. I give my life to you. I believe you died for me and rose again for me. I place my faith and my trust in you. And today, I'm saved. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? One more time before you leave. Whatever God says, do it. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.